Good morning and welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. I'm so glad you could be with me today as we continue in our study of the book of Romans. We've been working our way through the book of Romans verse by verse. We're now in the sixth chapter. And today I want to pick up our reading in verse 5 and read through verse 8. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Christ. We've been in this sixth chapter of the book of Romans, examining the question of sin. We've been encountering the reality, not that we had to see it just here in Romans 6, life would have taught it to us, but nonetheless, we've been encountering the reality that sin is alive and well on planet Earth. We discussed what sin is all about. Certainly, all of the book of Romans to this point has underscored for us the centrality of the essence of sin. Sin is, at one level, a rejection of God's laws, a rejection of his written word as it's been delivered to us, a rejection of our conscience in which he has written some of his laws. It is also, sin is also a rejection of God's rightful authority over our lives. The scripture tells us that all have sinned. Remember, back in the third chapter of Romans, verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All people are sinners both by inclination, having inherited that sinful inclination from Adam and Eve and their fall in the garden, and also sinners by choice. It's not only an inclination, but an action that has taken place in the life of all of us. Now, chapter 6, building on all of that reality, opens up with a core question. Since we've been saved by grace, since Christ has paid for our sins on the cross, and in repentance and faith in that work of Christ, resting in the gospel, we've been delivered from judgment for that sin. Since we're saved by grace, does it even matter now, as redeemed children of God, if we stumble in sin? Does it matter? A good question to ask, really, and God anticipated that question in the hearts of people. Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7 addresses that very question and answers it conclusively. He answers it with the answer, yes, it matters if we sin. It matters because even though our sins are forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ through his shed blood on the cross, sin, when we commit it, still hurts us. It still corrupts us. It still hurts other people. So sin still is a dangerous activity. It makes a difference if we sin, not only because sin can still hurt us and corrupt us, it makes a difference when we sin because spiritual growth, developing as a holy person through the enabling of God's help, 
is his intention for all of his redeemed children to not be growing, to just be blatantly sinning and stumbling and not caring about it puts us at odds with God's intention in saving us and putting us forward as new creations. And that links to the next answer to that. Yes, it matters if we sin because God has done a miraculous work in each person who has responded in repentance and faith to the gospel to change us at the very core of our being. He has changed us at the deepest level in miracle. He has made us new creations, born anew. And one of the consequences of that, and we'll talk more about this, is that sin grieves us at our deepest level. While sin can grieve us even as unbelievers at times, it doesn't grieve us at our deepest level. We become a Christian. Now God does a work through changing us at our deepest level so that sin is a grievous thing. We're no longer comfortable and contented sinning. Last time, in verses 2 to 5, we were examining some of the implications of having become a new creation, being changed at our very core. We saw that one of the implications is that our justification before the Lord actually broke the false infection of sin in our lives. It enabled us to die to sin in a sense of accountability. But while you and I have died to sin in the sense of its accountability in our lives due to justification, having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the reality is that sin has definitely not died as an ongoing problem in life. The world around us, Satan, a very personal enemy the scripture acquaints us with, and our old self, as we'll come to understand more of what that means in the verses ahead, all conspire together to tempt us to give in to sin. Romans 7 will talk about it in terms of a war that's going on, a battle that's going on between our new heart, our new creation, and the members of our body, which wars against that new creation. We've died to sin, and yet sin has definitely not died. It's alive and well and a continuing contention for us in the midst of this fallen world. Last time we were seeing, however, that in those verses 2 to 5, we discovered that God has changed the playing field. Our hearts have been made brand new. The Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, now indwells our lives and gives us strength, enablement, to defeat what we were previously having to try to defeat in our own strength. New hearts, indwelling Holy Spirit, changes the playing field. We ended talking about union with Jesus Christ, that the basis for our freedom is tied to our union with Jesus Christ. We've been baptized into Christ, and as a consequence, we can walk in newness of life. Uh, when our life as a redeemed believer, does not reflect this newness of life. It's a distortion of God's great intention. To be walking as a stumbling, sinning believer is a contradiction to God's great intention and a blinding of the light, a bushel over it, that God intends to be evidenced in a fallen world from his redeemed children. How can one expect God to be pleased with 
a redeemed child who is refusing to live in growth and discipleship and holiness. Well, let's continue on. In these verses I read to you today, especially verses 6 to 8, God makes a great promise to us. He says, you no longer need to be a slave to sin. He begins by saying, our old self was crucified with Christ when we believed. Notice how verse 6 puts it. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that this body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Our old self was crucified with Christ. Peleos anthropos, two words translated old self, literally our old man. Peleos means can, has the idea of being not just old, but not current. In other words, it's description of something that is not true in the present. Man, anthropos, means person. The point. The old man refers to the fallen, unsaved person that we once were, but are no longer. Do you catch it? The person we once were, but are no longer. That old person, that old self that's been crucified with Christ, was fallen. It was inclined to sin because of the inheritance of the sin nature. It had made choices to sin, and as a result of that, had built habits of sin into our bodies and into our thinking. Adam's sin inherited in our sin choices combined together to corrupt us. This old self produced within us what verse 6 describes as a body of sin, meaning a physical body inclined to sin and programmed to sin. We're creatures of habit. The things that we do over time habituate into our lives. We do them eventually with hardly thinking about it. It's our way. And what God says is that the fallen body, the old self, created a body of sin, a body that is inclined to sin and actually habituated towards sin. And remember, sin is not just moral failure. It's breaking of God's law in any form and rejection of God's rightful authority over our life as an essence and orientation of life. So, the old person that we were produced in us a body of sin. But the verse tells us also that God crucified the old self. He made us a new self. You see the contrast? Old self, old man, new self, new man. God replaced, at the heart of who we are, the old self. He replaced us with a new creation. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. All has become new. God said, I've made you a new person at the deepest heart. However, the new person is in residence in a body of sin. The body that you're walking around in, in your way of thinking, and in your actions and 
sort of patterns of behavior were the product of the old person that you once were. And therefore, these are going to be in collision with one another. This new creation issue, where God has crucified the old person, the old man, the old self, and made us new at the deepest level of our life, that is the only way in which the power of the body of sin could be broken. Only in that way could it be changed. Notice how he puts it. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. You see, in order that? He's done this so that the patterns that were built into this body that's still there, still being resided in by us, might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. By the way, all people are enslaved to sin until they become new creations in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sadly, even people who've been made new creations in Jesus Christ continue to live at times as if they still were enslaved to sin. But God's done what's necessary to break the power of enslaving sin. God has changed us in response to repentance and faith in the gospel at the very deepest level of who we are. Our true identity has changed. That's who I once was. This is who I now am. I am the new person. In Romans chapter 7, Paul picks up on this remarkable new creation reality. And in verses 22 to 23, he says this, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. You found that law to be true in your life? I'm sure you have. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Now, how could he say that unless he's been made new? Because in the inner being, before a person is new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ, in our inner being, we are inclined to sin and rebellion and to break the greatest of the commandments. That is our orientation. That's who we were. But God changes us after responding to the gospel. He changed Paul. And therefore, he delighted in the law of God in his inner being. But then in realism, he moves on, directed by the Holy Spirit, and says this, But I see in the members waging another law that's waging war against the law of my mind and trying to make me captive to the law of sin that still dwells in my members. The new self desires God's ways. It desires deepening relationship with the Heavenly Father. The new self desires to cooperate with the indwelling Holy Spirit and live a life of holiness and fruitfulness pleasing to God. But there is a reality that must be contended with. And the reality is this. Our old self, which is no longer really who we are, but it's still around, still remains in the programming of the members of our body. The members of our mind. Remember I said we are habituating creatures? Who we once were shows up in the way, in our bodily urges, it shows up in the ways we're inclined to act, our habituated orientations, our patterns of life. Our old ways of thinking and acting continue to want to take over our current orientation to life. 
It's like a shadow that doesn't want to go away. Constantly lurking there. More than that, the old self works to tempt us to believe it is still the new self. What do I mean by that? The old person programmed into us. Then we It's not our current person, it's who we used to be. But that old man still so real in our members of our body wants us to believe it is actually the true us. In other words, the old man wants us to think it in fact is who we are. And whatever, quote, new man was there was just a passing fancy, some sort of self-delusion. Now we really are who we once were. You encountered that temptation? I'm sure that you have. In the process of trying to trick us and deceive us, the old self, to gain mastery over us, wants us to revert back to the old programming, the old ways we thought, the old ways we acted, because they seem so familiar to us. And more than familiar, they seem to be the real us. But brothers and sisters, God says that is no longer true. You have changed at the deepest level. Oh, that programming's still there in your members of your body. But God has changed you at the deepest level of your life. Do you see how revolutionary these perspectives that God has revealed to us in Romans 6 actually are? God says the old self is no longer the true you. God said that. Gary didn't say that. God said that. The old self is no longer the true you. He goes on and he says, the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. God says the old person has died. Oh, it still is a shadow that's there. It's left its mark on who we are, but it's dead. Don't believe the voice of the dead one. The one who tries to still convince you, no, that's who you are. You have been changed. You are a new self, a new creation. The old self left its mark, still continues to be a very real source of temptation to us to revert back to old ways of thinking, old ways of acting, but it's no longer the true us. It no longer is reflective of the deepest level of who we've become as redeemed children of God. That old self was crucified with Christ. It's now dead. It can no longer be the essence and core of who we are as redeemed children of God. Do you see the picture developing in these verses? God tells us the crucified old self and the miracle of having a new self is why you and I no longer need be enslaved to sin. To, ins- to be enslaved means you have no choice. You're, you're in bondage. It wouldn't matter what you'd like to do, you can't change the fact that you're a slave. And God says that's no longer true. 
You can change how life is unfolding for you. You're no longer enslaved to sin. You're no longer who you once were. You're a new creation. And that new creation has an ally in the indwelling Holy Spirit. Remember I said before, the playing field has changed? Brothers and sisters, we need to keep reminding ourselves, because the scripture does it, that the playing field has changed. Not only are we saved, but we've been made new. New creations changed at the core of our being, and we have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who becomes our source of strength, not previously there, to deal effectively with the temptations of the old self, the pressures of conformity from the world around us, and the temptations of the enemy of our soul, the devil, Satan. We now have freedom. We now no longer need to live as enslaved people. Only redeemed believers have this possibility of freedom. There is no freedom apart from that. Jesus in John chapter 8 and talking to the Jews said, All are enslaved to sin unless the Son sets you free. God is telling us in Romans 6, God, if you've responded to that gospel, the power of God unto salvation, not only have you been saved, but God has set you free. Things can now be different in the context of day-to-day -day living. As believers, we've been freed from both sin's power and sin's accountability. <laughs> Chapters 1 to 5 in Romans, sin's culpability in our lives and the wonder of the cross so that we could be set free from accountability of sin through justification by faith. Romans 6 through 8, God has a way to set us free from sin's power in our day-to-day -day existence. Justification has delivered us from judgment. We've passed out of judgment into life. What a praiseworthy reality for you and I if we know Christ as Savior. Justification has given us permanent peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer at enmity with God. We will always have peace with God because we've passed out of judgment into life. God says, justification, when we respond to the gospel, has delivered us from judgment and accountability, and it's given us peace with God. Now that we've been delivered from judgment and accountability, and we have peace with God, God has changed us at our deepest level. He's made us a brand new creation, a work of creation. We are different than we once were. And... God has sent the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to indwell our lives as redeemed children of God who are new creations. The point of it all, we can live in freedom at last. Notice how he puts it. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Think about these words, these wonderful words. Set free. Live with him. 
set free, live with him. Are those words more than just empty words to you? Have you been discovering in your life, in your day-to-day -day walk, the wonder of being set free, the wonder of living with him? Not only the wonder of passing from judgment into life, having peace with God, but being set free from the captivating power of sin and temptation, and now living, really living with him. Oh, there's so much more yet to say about these as we continue on in the sixth chapter of Romans. We get into the seventh chapter of Romans and the eighth chapter of Romans, which talks to us about the Holy Spirit's work within our lives as we walk in cooperation with God's enabling strength. Much, much more to say. But for today, let's remind ourselves we are no longer slaves to sin. No matter how much the old self tries to convince us otherwise, we have changed at the deepest level. The issue is, how can we make real what's now real at our deepest level, real at our outside? How can we make the changed core reflected in the outer being, the members of our body? That is the issue of discipleship and growth, of being made holy. And it is to that issue that God turns his attention as we continue on in our study of Romans. I hope these words today are encouraging to you. You are not who you once were. You can have made some choices to be living captive to who you once were. But those choices can change. God has changed you. And life can be different. Join me as we continue in the future, Lord willing, to examine these life-giving verses in the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. God bless.